The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and today we'll be discussing nonprofit versus profit hospitals. Is there a difference between the care you receive? Also, I'll be telling you about how I've been doing since being taken off of all of my medications and what the doctors are suspecting that's causing me another problem and possibly adding on to another diagnosis for me. So you know what I want you to do. That's right. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to those who are listening late at night, you know I appreciate you. Grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join the conversation right here on my story, Living with Lupus. The Charlie E. and Minnie P. Hendricks Foundation for Chronic Illness Awareness. See one, reach one. Educate one to empower the masses, giving hope and empowering those who suffer from chronic illness. You can reach the foundation at 313-303-9217 or visit their website at https semicolon forward slash forward slash cemphfoundation.com This is a 501c3 organization. No one should live in lack.
All right, let's discuss first about what I've been going through. Well, if you've been listening to my podcast or seeing my Periscope or seeing my Facebook Live, you would know that I'm no longer on any medication. Some say it's a good thing, but my body is saying, where are you at? Sometimes I have to talk to my body and say, what are you doing? Lord, give me a break. But the reason that I was taking, taken off of my meds is because the um, cardiologist wanted to see what else was going on internally with me. So at my last appointment, the cardiologist stated, has your PCP performed a thorough thyroid screening on you? And in turn, I told my cardiologist, I said, no. And if I don't mention the tests that the PCP needs to run, it won't get done. And I also stated to the cardiologist, I said, you know, my degrees are not, um, I don't have an MD behind my name. My degrees are in health and science. So when I go into my PCP's office, I explain to him what is going on And you need to look into this. You need to look into that. And sometimes he'll blow me off and I will blow up on him and tell him, I know my body better than you do. You need to run these tests. And so my cardiologist said, okay, Susan, he said, I want you to go see an endocrinologist. Is something going on internally with you? I said, I know it is. I said, I have explained to you guys that for some reason, I'm gaining weight, but I work out. And I said, it's not what I eat because I'm a vegan. And he said, I figured that that's why I want you to go see an endocrinologist. So I stated, um, what you're looking for, Hashimoto disease? He didn't say anything. So that let me know then. They're looking for Hashimoto disease now. And what Hashimoto disease is, it deals with the thyroid, hypothyroidism. And I spoke about this on a previous episode. Um, You know, lupus can attack any internal organ in your body. So they believe that the lupus has attacked my thyroid and my thyroid is damaged and I'm no longer producing 
an adequate amount of T3, T4. Okay, thyroid stimulating hormones, you know, to um, rev up the metabolism. And that's why I'm piling on the weight. And that's why I'm having other symptoms like, um, you know, I already have, um, see, there's the brain fog coming in. I know what I want to say, but I'm susceptible to the cold weather. And it'll come back to me. The proper terminology, medical terminology I want to use for this um, condition. But my fingertips turn blue. So does my toes. But now I stay cold all the time. My skin is dry. I am retaining fluid and the fatigue is killing. Well, I shouldn't say killing me, but it feels like, as I stated in the previous um, episode, the fatigue, oh my God, I wake up tired. And then after I exercise, excuse me, I feel okay. Raynards, I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say, see, I told you it would come back to me. The brain fog kicked in, which they think is a part of the thyroid problem. Um, Raynard syndrome. I know I have Raynard's, but it has kicked in to overdrive. So that's what they're looking at now for... um, why I needed to come off of um, all of my meds. My body is just, um, it's attacking itself as usual. But they think that the um, thyroid and possibly the parathyroid is um, damaged. Now, Depending on how damaged the thyroid is, I'm looking at removal of the thyroid or going on medication for the thyroid. So I have an appointment um, on the 14th to see the endocrinologist. And everyone who has lupus needs to see an endocrinologist and um, get your thyroid checked. Your thyroid and your parathyroid. Now, your parathyroid sits behind your thyroid. So get get it checked um, so it won't bring you on any more problems like it has me. So that's what's been going on with me. Um, My mood is still jacked up. Um, My attitude is really messed up. Um, I was in the store today. I'm recording this on Thursday, February the 6th. 
I was in the store today with my sister. And um, my sister told me, she said, you have to put your attitude in check. Because you were getting ready to go off on somebody. And I usually don't do that. I say, yes, yes, I was. She said, it's not worth it. Put your attitude in check. And she said, when do you go back to the doctor? I said, I go back next week. Why? I think I need to go with you, she stated. I said, you don't need to go with me. And she said, well, just to let you know, I put you down as an emergency contact um, to talk to my doctor about any medical problems that I may be having. I said, so why you do that? I said, you could have put our brother down or my other sister. I said, now why you do that? She said, because you're the medical dictionary. You're the one that went to school for it. They didn't. So you're going to oversee my um, medical care. I, and I told her, I keep telling you guys, you need to become your own advocate. I said, but you want me to speak up for you. I said, but you're going to have to learn to do it yourself. And my sister is 70 years old, but she leaves that up to me to do. And I told her, yeah, 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 right. I'm ready to go home. But that's how my attitude is really, it's really jacked up. It really is. And you see how I just went off talking about my sister. But anyway, when we come back, I have to laugh myself. We'll be talking about nonprofit versus profit hospital. Is there a difference in care? And if you don't think it is, some people may agree that there is a difference and some people won't agree. But I'm here to tell you my opinion. If you don't think there's a difference, stay tuned. We're going to discuss it further. I'll be right back. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. Ophthalmology Associates, PC, Drs. Berman and Dr. Zuckerbrod, treating diseases of the eye and eye surgery. You can reach them at 313-341-3450. I'm going to give you a serenium. I received a call last week from a young lady 
who has lupus. And she called to tell me that she went to the emergency room. And I said, for what? She said, I wasn't feeling any better. And they stated that I had pneumonia. I said, well, they didn't keep you in the hospital? She said, no. And um, she said, all they gave me was ibuprofen. And they released me. And so I asked her, what hospital did you go to? And she told me the hospital that she went to. I said, what have I been telling you about how we are treated when we go to the ER? I said, "Um, they ran tests blood tests. She said, yeah, but she said it took about two hours or so before she got the results. I said, that's normal, but she said they had me waiting up against the wall. I said, was the ER crowded? She said, no. She said, um, They put me up against the wall. I was sitting up against the wall back in the ER room. And she said, that's not what they usually do. Whenever I go to the emergency room, they put me back into a cubicle. They just didn't, you know, never left me um, by a wall. I said, were you on a stretcher? She said, no. They had me sitting in a chair. And she went on to tell me what she noticed, how other patients were treated versus how she was treated. Now we're getting ready to go into nonprofit and profit hospitals. And after you hear what I'm about to say, I want you to please call in and let me know which type of hospital do you think this young lady went to. Now, among 5,200 non-federal hospitals In the U.S., 3,000 are non-profits, 1,300 for-profit, and 1,000 operated by state and local governments. Variation by state, however, is significant within Florida, Texas, and Nevada, having the highest percentage of for-profit hospitals at just over 50%. But what difference does it make for your community if your hospital is a community nonprofit or is owned by outside investors? Now, Health Leaders points out three specific 
differences in the way nonprofit and for-profit hospitals are governed and managed. Nonprofit hospitals are community-oriented institutions driven by mission rather than shareholder returns. When it comes to for-profit hospitals who must balance community service with shareholder returns, operational efficiencies, drive decision-making, nonprofit hospitals tend to plan for continued viability over the long term. For-profit hospitals concerned with quarterly returns make short-term decisions that may not align with the needs of the communities they serve. I'm going to use an example. Using the example of Southwest General Health Center, a 350 bed nonprofit hospital in Middleburg Heights, Ohio. Health Leaders illustrates how nonprofit hospital realize their community commitments. Now, at Southwest General, two boards oversee the health system and the health center comprised of community leaders. These board members are truly local. They may be local business leaders, Um, school district superintendents, the local college president. The Southwest general model is quite different from Nashville-based HCA Healthcare Incorporated, which owns 180 hospitals in the United States and the UK. Now, chairman of the for-profit company is Thomas Frist III, founder and managing principal of First Capital LLC, a Nashville investment firm. Okay, you see where I'm getting ready to go with this. Private equity investors use scale to drive efficiencies, buying up multiple hospitals and consolidating back office activities such as billing and collections. Now, health leaders that with declining reimbursements from major payers. If you have a lower cost structure, it's an advantage. They say period. And that tends to be an advantage that the investor-owned health system has. 
In most markets, they operate cheaper. Investor-owned hospitals also tend to provide a narrow range of services, sending patients with complex needs to non-profit systems that have the facilities to handle their care. You won't find many for-profit hospitals providing neonatal intensive care or organ transplants because hospitals tend to lose money on these essential services. The risk for profit hospital is that the efficiencies won't materialize and they will simply jetson facilities when over leveraged. Fraudulent billing is also an issue as companies try to ensure profits by taking advantage of public payers like Medicare or private insurers. Now, such stories abound in the for-profit hospital market. One of the latest recounted in an August Kaiser Health news story, um, George A. Perez, his family and business partners bought up rural hospitals in Missouri, Oklahoma, and Tennessee, convincing communities that empower HMS could save their struggling institutions, according to Kaiser Health News. Now, at the height of his operation, Perez and his Miami-based management company, Empower HMS helped oversee a rural empire encompassing 18 hospitals across eight states. Perez owned or co-owned 11 of those hospitals and was CEO of the companies that provided their management and billing services. He was affiliated with companies that owned or managed the rest. You get, you truly get where I'm going with this. Fraudulent billing for lab services led to a lawsuit from insurers, which has now resulted in 12 hospitals having entered bankruptcy and eight having closed their doors. Hundreds of employees have lost jobs and communities have lost not only their health care facilities, but property taxes as well. I want you to think about what I just said. And when we return, we'll go into it more further. Thank you for returning. Now, rural hospitals face difficult decisions 
and nonprofits too can close. Mission Health, the largest healthcare provider in Western North Carolina, announced that the 130-year-old nonprofit could not make the investments necessary to provide top quality care and would instead sell to HCA Healthcare, an integral part of the communities it serves, Mission Health reported spending $1 million on free charity care. It also reported partnering with 17 civic organizations to improve substance abuse care for low-income families. Now, Missions Health community is concerned that the sale of the hospital to HCA Healthcare will inevitably increase cost as HCA looks to increase profits for investors. Now, when it comes down to the quality of care that you receive in a for-profit hospital versus a non-profit hospital. Now, you know that it is a federal law that if you have no insurance, if you don't have any insurance at all, you cannot be refused treatment. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, this makes me really upset when it comes down to the care of people, not only within the communities that we live, but all around. You remember that I stated on one of my podcasts that Healthcare is a business, and we are commodities. People who visit hospitals, the patients um, in the hospitals, patients in doctor's office, we are commodities. They can sell your charts when they when they sell a hospital facility. They're not only buying the physical building, they're putting a price on the patients also, the charts, how much money they can make. You understand where I'm going with this. Profit hospitals are looking only to remain in the black. How much money can they make off of a patient. It's not about the quality of care. 
what I just told you about in the first part is how they look at where they'll lose money on neonatal units and kidney transplants. So they'll send you to a nonprofit facility to handle those cases because you're a risk to them. You don't want to lose, they don't want to lose money on you. Now, with nonprofit hospitals, yes, they service the community. Yes, they don't care if you have insurance or not. Their main goal is taking care of you and creating a stable base for the community to seek care with a for-profit hospital. As I stated before, their main goal is the bottom line. And I can understand that, but where does the quality of care come in with your patients? For-profits want the best insurances. For-profits want a certain patient base. Money. People with money. You know, if... You don't have insurance if you have no money. Sure, they'll see you, but they're going to do the least for you at that time. Not unless you're done. Now, you heard about the fraudulent billing. They have to make sure that their investors get their return. Their main concern is the bottom line. Have you heard of any profit, for-profit hospital that's doing things in your community for the people in your community? Now, the non-profit hospitals here, In Detroit, I have to give my hat off to them because they will try to go out within the communities and do health fairs, um, walks, um, different things to get to know the people in the community, to help the people in the community. But when you go for profit, you can lose some of your best physicians that are working in a for-profit facility because some of those doctors' main concern are their patients and not the bottom line. Just say, for instance, I knew a doctor who worked in a for-profit hospital. 
this particular doctor took time with the patients, went over and above making sure they had what they needed if they could not afford it. But with a for-profit hospital, it's a particular model you have to go by. You have to see these many patients. You can't spend this much time with each patient. Make sure you get that patient to get, I'm using this as an example, a mammogram done, a flu shot, a pneumonia shot, um, a TB test, um, see what else you can do to bring in the dollars off of the insurance is the bottom line. And if anybody is working for a for-profit establishment, you may not want to admit it, but you know it's the truth. Your bottom line is making sure you make them some money and neglect the patients. I shouldn't say neglect. Give the patients the least amount of care as possible or ship them off to a nonprofit hospital where they will take the time to take care of the patients. So when you hear about all of these hospitals being bought out, it's for a reason. The hospital was either a nonprofit and was struggling with cost. And so an investor group steps in, swoops down, see that the hospital is struggling, and starts purchasing up hospitals across the country. And in other parts of the world. It's money. It is money. And what about the people who live in rural counties, rural areas, who have to go miles away from where they live to seek care? Or who had a physician within their rural little town who had to leave because he wasn't making that much money there. So if you think that the quality of care is the same, you are sadly mistaken. I want you to think about the scenario I gave you regarding the young lady who has lupus and also Pneumonia, had pneumonia. When she called me, no, this particular individual did not have insurance. So they gave her the least amount of care. 
And it's surprising to me that a facility would let a person discharge an individual with pneumonia along with lupus, along with MS. She has MS also walk out of that building with ibuprofen. Oh, and I forgot a script for some antibiotics. So that means that that young lady, depending on what type of pneumonia she had, um, possibly could have spread it to her children, to her grandchildren, to her husband, neighbors, anybody. You see how they work? That's why I go so hard with you guys to wake up and see what is going on with your care. Sure, I may have stated earlier when I was talking about my sister, and I said, well, why would you have me down as the person? Because she knows that I will go hard for her when it comes to the quality of care. My whole family knows that. My daughter calls me. She lives in another state. She called me last week with a problem regarding the doctor that she was saying. And she's in the medical field, but it's a different portion of the medical field she's in. She's more policy-oriented, writing policies. And she explained the situation to me. And I said, give me the doctor's number. And she said, are you going to use your credentials on them? I said, just give me the doctor's number and you'll have what you want after I get through with them. See, I don't care where you at. If I know you or even if I don't know you and you call me and say, Susan, I'm having a problem. I'm either going to tell you what to say to that doctor Or direct you in a right way where they know that they just can't run anything on you. I want you, like I told my sister, to become proactive. This is your life. This is your health. And you may say, yes, I trust my doctor. But I want you to think about the quality of care of when you're admitted into a hospital or even when you see a doctor. I want you to think about that care. And let me tell you this. My PCP is in a for-profit facility. And the last time I seen him, he walked in with a sheet of paper and he said, Susan, 
You haven't had this done. You haven't had that done. You haven't had this done. You haven't, and you haven't had your flu shot. I looked at him and I said, you can throw that little piece of paper away because I know how the game is played. Yes, I have it. Did, don't you have documentation where you sent me to have this certain test? And yes, I still have that body part. So where did they get that that I did not still have that particular body part? I said, come on now, be for real. It's the game they're playing so that you can make, get more bang out of the buck. And you're not going to play that with me. And he threw the piece of paper in the trash. So when it came down to the flu shot, I told him, I said, I'm not taking a flu shot. I said, you think about this. Anything the government offers free, I'm not taking it. And I said, the government is not going to kill me. I'm going to have to die of old age. I refuse to take the flu shot because usually within those shots, they have the live virus. I'm not taking that. The last time I had the flu was back in the 60s. And um, my mother didn't take take me to the doctor. She let it just take its course and get it out of my system. And that flu, if I'm not from, uh, mistaken, it was called the Hong Kong flu. So if I lived through that and haven't had the flu since, and you think I'm going to take a flu shot or a pneumonia shot, I don't care how compromised you say my immune system is. I'm not taking it. But think about your quality of care. And the next time, God forbid, that you have to go to the ER and they tell you or do the minimum treatment for you. Yes, if you don't have the correct insurance, and I'm telling you now, you'll see what kind of care you receive from a profit hospital. Think about it and think about the scenario. And I want you to truly call in and tell me what type of hospital did you think this young lady went to and never tell let anyone tell you when you go into the emergency room they cannot service you it is against the law they have to service you Before I go, let me state this. 
The views and opinions expressed today are all mine. And before I let you go, I want you to think about that serenio that I gave you at the beginning of the show. And please call in and let me know which hospital do you think the young lady went to to receive treatment. Also, to my listeners in Australia, thank you for listening. I see my numbers creeping up in Australia. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is heard from the United States all the way to the Philippines. And I thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Friday. Before I let you go, I want to put this on your mind. Be your own advocate. If you don't, who will? Raise your hand, ask questions, listen to your gut. And when in doubt, I want you to check it out. You're worth it. Wouldn't you rather risk having someone think you asked an awful lot of questions than to find yourself laying on your sick bed, deathbed, wishing you'd spoken up when you had that bad feeling? Put your critical thinking skills on. And have a most blessed, positive, productive, and peaceful weekend. I have to go travel to an event this weekend, so I have to get packing. But... This has been Susan Hendricks, your host for my story, Living with Lupus. I'll see you next Friday for another episode.
comments and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved.